Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Kraft, and who do I have alongside me? You're never going to believe this, it's Ben Aspinall. It is indeed, and it's another one of our Retro Rewind podcasts, and we're returning to picking our York City Draft 11s of the 21st century. Specifically, we're going to be picking our centre-backs this week. You excited about that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, uh, in preparation for this pod, obviously you do a little bit of research, you do a little bit of going back through um, YouTube videos and match reports, and just remembering some of the absolute class defenders that we've had play for us in the 21st century was uh, a great stroll down memory lane, so it was a really, really enjoyable task. But, you know, rough with this move, that did mean having to watch some absolute dross score past us sometimes in said highlights. So the Lord giveth the Lord taketh away. To be fair, that was just highlights from this season you were talking about, though. Well, you'd be surprised who makes my uh, my my top four. Yeah, no spoilers, but there are no players from this season in my selections. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm going to say with the uh, the old at present at time recording, the old conceding two game two goals a game on average statistic has rendered this season's defense not eligible for my selection either. Um, but yeah, so we chose our goalkeepers in the first segment of this which if you didn't hear it that wasn't a standalone podcast that was when we were combining it all together in one enormous mishmash we were mixing our drinks weren't we we were a little bit um but that i believe was uh, episode two where we chose our goalkeepers and just to run through the teams as they are uh, ben you got to choose first didn't you with your draft pick for yep. the goalkeeper i went with the legend that is Charlton and Berry's own Nicky Pope. That's right. So I chose second and I went for Super Alan Fettis. So that is the full extent of our current teams. And just to remind everybody who's listening just how the draft works exactly, uh, Simon and I are going to be discussing um, each position. We'll work through uh, a classic 4-4-2, uh, discussing uh, the players that, would be, that we'd like to pick or make eligible for selection in each position. As you, as you heard, we did go before we went centre half today. The thing is, it has to be unique. So um, Simon's going to have um, first pick today of his first choice centre half. Following that, um, I'll get to pick two. And then Simon gets to pick his second centre back as well. This is due to the fact that um, on the coin toss on the first episode, I got to pick my goalkeeper first. Um, it has to be unique. We can't share a player. Nobody is changing teams at half time like. Um, a testimonial or a pre-season friendly. And obviously at the end of the affair, when we have our two uh, 11s, when we have our combined 22, we'll be um, organising a paintballing competition on the Knavesmire to see which is the best 11. So, yeah, I guess we'll get into it. First of all, we will look at the listener suggestions because we put it out to Twitter. Who would you pick as your best two YCFC centre-backs since 2000? And I put a little picture of Mark Satori in there, but nobody really took the bait on that one. He has not <laughs> made anyone's shortlist so far. I mean, stay tuned. He could, he could make, uh, he could um, make the shortlist as someone striker. To be fair, that's true. That is a good call. I haven't chosen my strikers yet, so I will, I will bear that one in mind. Uh, but yeah, let's look at some of the tweets that we had. We got one from Yfront Fanzine who said we've had some good ones: Dave McGurk, Daniel Parslow. Keith Lowe, Boom Boom McComb, to name a few. Two great loan players, Jason Goodliffe and Luke Graham, were both quality. 
as was David Murfin. Yeah, Murfin's an interesting Murfin's an interesting show. He wasn't here for too long, but um and it's stability to a very unstable team under under Watson, I believe it was. So that's a bit of a left of center, you know, a bit of a bit out there choice. But uh, yeah, an interesting memory on earth there by Wyfront. Just to go over the rules again, lone players do count. It's basically anyone who has played a minute of first team football for City since the year two thousand. Another tweet here from Bradley Keel, who's gone for McGurk and Keith Lowe. And his honourable mentions were Luke Graham, to which he added, would have been great if we could have kept him for longer. Danny Parslow, maybe not up there with TY and Lowe, but would always do a job and had longevity. John McComb, and again, David Murphin, even if it was for just for a short period. Craig Newcomb said, Lowe and McComb were great together. Dylan Hildreth, two of Chris Smith, TY, Keith Lowe, John McComb. Uh, Chris Davis said Dave McGurk and Dave McGurk. And then P.S. Paz or Keith for the other slot. So yeah, unfortunately we can't pick the same player twice. Uh, tempting that would be in some cases. Tom Owen said T.Y. and John McComb. So there's a few names cropping up quite a bit. Former same old city guest Will Harris said T.Y. and Keith Lowe. Mentions in dispatches Boom Boom, Goodliff, Chris Smith, D.P. Uh, which I assume is Danny Parslow. can't think of any other centre-backs with those particular initials. And Russ Howarth, great to hear him getting in touch again, said only one double Wembley winning captain. Nowhere near enough respect put on his name, in my opinion. Some names appearing a fair bit, some slightly more left-field selections, but let's move on to chatting about who we have chosen. So basically the way it's going to work, we've both selected four centre-backs, one through four, and we'll talk about each of them in turn, and then we will have to choose which ones are actually going to make our starting eleven. So, yeah, I guess we should uh, should just get down to it. I've got my lovely craft beer ready, so I'm quite happy to just sit back and let you go first on on this one, Ben, and reveal your number four if that's if you're happy to do that. Uh, well, I'm happy to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a quick swig of my um, Aldi own lager, nice little treat on uh, late on this Sunday evening, and I'm going to start off with my fourth choice. I've gone for a West Coast IPA from Asvex Brewery. So, other breweries are available. I've gone for John McComb, uh, the big, burly, reliable centre half, signed. Um, well, I want to say signed from Mansfield, but obviously he was released on a free transfer from uh, Mansfield in the winter of 2013, so we were able to sign him. But he was part of that mid-season um, rev- defensive revolution that uh, Nigel Worthington brought about in the 13-14 season. Uh, doing a bit of research into you know when he signed, um, Worthington mentioned that him and him personally and the club tried very hard for a long time to bring McComb into the club. So um, shows how much they, the you know the regime wanted him. Rewarded with a, a two and a half year deal, which I don't think we saw too many of those, did we? When we were uh, back in the uh, EFL for that short time in the mid the mid tens, uh, I think his highlights uh, for York, um, he scored two and got an assist away to Plymouth in a. Absolutely sensational 4-0 win on that uh, very bizarre unbeaten run in uh, winter and spring 2014. And also had that block on the line, didn't he, versus Berry in the 1-0 win at Boovan Crescent, which um, a lot of fans remember very fondly. So I think other defenders around him may have got more publicity and plaudits. But I do think for that half season and the season afterwards, um, I know it was under Wilcox and things kind of faded a little bit. He was always reliable, I thought. Struck me as a very hard worker, a very solid defender. And 
it's just a shame that playoff run in 2014 ended the way it did because um, yeah, such a solid partnership with uh, with Keith Lowe that I think the two could have definitely done a job in a division above for one or two seasons, you know, uh, in, in League One. Uh, yeah, just a, a very reliable defender. Uh, seemed like a pretty nice bloke as well. The way he was kind of bombed out the club under Jackie is uh, it was a real shame. And he wasn't the only person to suffer that fate, unfortunately, which I'm sure will come to later. But um, yeah, a really, really solid defender and made a massive impression in a relatively short time that he was with us at the club. Okay, so yeah, Ben's number four, John McComb. My number four is, I guess, someone else you could describe as a burly defender. Only made 26 starts for the club, um, but made quite an impression in that time. He's someone who we'd seen playing against us on a number of occasions and was maybe a little bit of a figure of fun at times due to his appearance. But when we saw him come to the club, we saw the quality that he actually had. I'm talking about Steve McNulty. So, yeah, joined City in 2019 under Steve Watson. And prior to that, I mean, his record of promotions is is fairly incredible, to be honest. It's, I mean, it's not one a season, but it's not far off. I think there's, he, was, <laughs> he got one promotion with Barrow, two with Fleetwood, one with Luton, two with Tranmere. And this is all within, you know, like a decade. So, yeah, he obviously had some decent pedigree. Like I say, I'd seen him play against us for Fleetwood and so on and you kind of thought oh it's just one of those sort of big annoying centre-backs who's going to try and bully players and stuff you know he had the had the grey hair he had a bit of a belly but yeah when he actually joined and played for us that season we you sort of noticed what an excellent footballer he was in in several senses so I mean I can't really remember him missing a header all that season you know he was so dominant in the air his reading of the game was so good that he, he made up for his lack of pace. But he also, his distribution was really decent. You know, he, he very rarely misplaced a pass, which again is not necessarily the stereotype of him before he joined, but I thought he was very decent with the ball as well. And yeah, we were playing three at the back that season under Watson with Newton one side of him. And I think Joe Tate was, who mostly was playing the other side. That's right, yeah. That was obviously the season which was... Ultimately cut short due to COVID, but, you know, we were flying high and particularly the sort of the first few months of that season, we just looked so solid at the back with him there. And I think that was definitely Newton's best season as well, because I put my cards on the table. I'm not the biggest fan of Sean Newton. I think he's a talented player, but he didn't really have much positional discipline or I guess discipline in, in other senses of the word as well. But that season, because McNulty was there in the middle of the three, it just gave Newton the freedom to, to roam and, you know, go on those marauding runs and hit shots from 30 yards, which he, you know, loved to do so much. And that was fine, you know, that sort of played to his strengths. And I think it's no coincidence that, you know, what came before that season under Watson and what went after was totally different. That was the one season when we actually looked to have a really solid defensive base to build on. And, you know, we got quite a few one nils, 2 nils, and so on. We weren't that exciting going forward you know let's face it we had Jordan Burrow up front as our main attacking threat but with that sort of strong defense you know that was enough to get us towards the top of that division at that time now if in early 2020 a bloke hadn't eaten a bat in China then maybe there'd have been another promotion on there on McNulty's CV but 
yeah, I guess his career was sort of winding down at that time anyway. So he only stayed for that one season and then dropped down a couple of divisions. But even then, I thought he was he was a class act. So, yeah, my number four is Steve McNulty. I think you've covered him really well there, uh, Si, and I have to agree with everything that you've said. What I really liked about McNulty was he was a born leader, such an obvious captain. The fact that, it, you know, his legs were his legs weren't gone, but his legs were going. So he very much kind of you know sat in def- sat back in defence, which allowed um, Joe Tay and Sean Newton to act as kind of like ball playing centre halves to make those runs forward to put the extra man in midfield. And you know it, at that level, you know Division Six football, other other teams weren't quite sure how to deal with that. But I do remember thinking when we tried it without McNulty in that position, when I think Sean Newton would cover that middle of the three. It was nowhere near as good. You know, he was just so uh, reliable when it came to keeping everyone organised and everyone in check. And I agree with you. Um, If if COVID doesn't happen, do we win the league? It's probably, that'll be another retro rewind discussion to have once in future, perhaps. But even if he was maybe a little bit younger and fitter, he did keep getting those little injuries due to his age. You know, his fitness wasn't perfect. But I agree for that two thirds of the season that we had when he was available, we very rarely looked, you know, um, vulnerable in defence. He was a, he was a fantastic defender and a, f- a fantastic leader. I, I really enjoyed having McNulty in our side. I'm going to move on to choice number three. Uh, I think a lot of people have mentioned this guy, uh, and I'm delighted I'm going to get a chance to talk about him. My uh, third choice is uh, Chris Smith. Um, so signed mid-season in 2010-11 by Mills and uh, made captain rather promptly. Um, Smith. Quite similar to McNulty there, actually. I think he was a fantastic organiser. Um, he was a very, very inspired leader and talker on the field. His marshalling of the defence was a real key part of that 2011-2012 promotion season. And whilst the step up to League Two wasn't perfect, um, he did actually, you know, he did score that crucial goal away at Dagenham on the last day of the season and he to help keep us up. So, I mean, under Worthington in the league years, unfortunately, the injuries did kind of hamper him a little bit. And I think his career at York, unfortunately, kind of petered out, didn't it? But it, uh, also, you know, in terms of Christmas, he played well with so many different defenders. He was next to McGurk, wasn't he? He did well with Parslow. Um, Doig is the one that got, you know, that partnership is the one that won the uh, the playoff final and the trophy final the week before. So a key part of that was uh, Christmas' role on the field in, in, in both uh, as a defender and as a captain. I was a huge fan of his. Uh, Smudge, who was popular, wasn't he, amongst his uh, his colleagues, teammates at the club, and uh, yeah, I guess the only negative thing you could possibly say was, you know, he he didn't make fully that step up to League Two, but he was still, I thought, quite reliable until you know other defenders kind of stepped up to play in our League Two years to, to take over from him. But I really liked him. He some, I think, in that promotion season in under Mills at the start of the season, we had a bit of iffy form, and people were kind of pointing the finger at Smith a little bit. And I think I remember doing so a little bit too. But he was always what he maybe sometimes liked in form. You needed him on that field to to keep everyone in check and organised. So, I was a, I was definitely a, a big fan of Chris Smith. Yeah, I can agree with all that. Really, I mean, we did cover the playoff win over Luton Town in 2012. Go back to listen to episode one if you want to hear our thoughts on that. And yeah, watching that back, I thought Smith was outstanding in that game. Really, you didn't really mention his first spell at the club. You have any? have any particular thoughts on that because obviously he was there 2001 to 2004 initially and then came back 2011 to 2014 so he did have sort of a fairly long first spell at the club as well 
obviously less successful, but do you have any memories of what he was like as a player at that time, kind of 10 years earlier? I remember he was, uh, you know, came as a, a young prospect, didn't he? Uh, playing alongside Brass and others. I, I remember Dolan playing him in the kind of three at the back formation in those early noughties years. I remember him being very popular amongst fun, fans on the on the Shippo and uh, on the very early inca- incarnations of the forums that we used to frequent in those days. I just think it came to a bit of an organic end into under the relegation season in 04. I remember him being um, quite reliable. It was no real surprise when, it, when he re-signed in 2010. You know, we, we saw how much he'd grown and developed in that time away from the club. I think he was Mills' captain as well at Tamworth, wasn't he? So he always looked like a good player. You could sell that from the early days under Dolan. Uh, and yeah, he really, I think he maximised and fulfilled his potential second time around at York. Moving on to my number three. I've gone for someone you've already mentioned, which is John McComb. Not going to uh, repeat too much, uh, given that we've already covered him. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that 2013-14 season was one I didn't get to that many games just because of various things that were going on. But the few games I did get to, as well as Nick Pope, who we obviously covered in the goalkeepers section, that centre-back pairing of McComb and Lowe was absolutely key to that. I mean, you described him as very solid. I think another aspect of his game is that he was quite an attacking threat at times as well. I mean, it was interesting. I was reading that he actually started out as a centre-forward and I wouldn't say you could necessarily tell that watching him play, but, you know, he, he wasn't just a defender who could do the basics. He was he was comfortable with, with all aspects of the game, I think. So, yeah, McComb is my number three. Uh, my my uh, number two choice, I think this will come as uh, no surprise to uh, everyone listening, I've gone for Keith Lowe, uh, not only uh, a fantastic defender in his relatively short time at York, but also, you know, the subject of possibly my favourite York City chant of uh, Keith Lowe's Sweet Chariot. Always made me smile when I uh, remember remember that one. So a bit like uh, McComb, actually, because he, when he signed in, um, initially it was on loan, wasn't it, from Cheltenham in, in late 13, when he became a permanent transfer, it was another two and a half year deal. So you could tell how much Worthington the club, you know, fought for him and wanted to have him at the club. And when he first joined, he was a partner to uh, Dave McGurk in defence, uh, you know, first uh, first couple of games. But you've you've touched on it there, and I, I mentioned earlier, it's the, the partnership with McComb, where um, he excelled, and, you know, I think we all remember him very, very fondly for that. But also on, like, a personal level, um, he was York Press Player of the Season in 2014. He contributed with some crucial goals in that playoff run. I think um, the Berry home uh, goal in the 1-0 win is... Um, one that stands out the most for me, based on you know the form at the time, how difficult Barry were to, to to you know to try and beat, and this you know the the fixture itself. We, we've got that that relationship, that history with Barry, haven't we? The following season under Wilcox was a bit of a, a nothing season for York, wasn't it? Escape relegation with a few games to spare, kind of petered out as as a season as a whole. But Keyflow himself was was fantastic that year. It was York Press and uh, Clubman of the Year for that season. But the the following season, getting bombed out, much like his uh, his colleague McComb uh, by McNamara, was, in my opinion, criminal. Um, he still had so much to give. He was only thirty, and if you're heading into a relegation battle, which you know we clearly did, you need you need both his and uh, John's experience. So, not just his talent was wasted and squandered by um, by Jackie, but also his experience and his know how on the field. So, of all the things that we dislike. Uh, Talking about the hour four, I think the treatment of McComb and, and, and Lowe is, is the most galling aspect of that. But I want to try and keep this positive. 
he was a you know he was a uh, fantastic servant to the club in that short time. The um, individual awards cement that, but also just got really fond memories of just what a good defender he was under various you know under the two coaches of Worthington and under Wilcox as well. And it was always a shame when we came up against him in um, in non league. I think you know I think it was at Kidderminster, wasn't he? When we played them, and I just hated playing against having to see our strikers play against him because we knew how good he was. Uh, yeah, and I miss him. I think that's the main thing. I miss having that reliable figure at the back. He was. Uh, he was a great. He was a great guy to get to having that team, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it's interesting what you say about when we subsequently played against him. I agree that even you know as he was getting a bit older, as soon as you saw his name on the team sheet, you thought, okay, you know, our strikers are going to be in for a, a tough day. Yeah, to go on to my list, Keith Lowe is also my number two. So um, <laughs> I think there's going to be a fair few, fair few similarities in this list, although uh, not completely identical. And yeah, just for all the reasons that that you've said, really, another player who was just so dominant in the air, really, he just felt secure with balls coming into your box. Generally, when uh, when him and McComb, I guess, were were there to to sweep up. Yeah, and another thing, I just reading about how he um, only got one yellow card in his first 167 appearances. That's on his uh, on his Wikipedia. So, oh, wow. yeah, for a player who was, you know, he he was quite physical. He was a uh, commanding defender not to call anyone out but when we've got a centre-back suspended for five bookings after 11 games of the season or whatever it was to then to then read about <laughs> someone uh only getting one in 167 games is you know it's it's impressive so yeah and again just just sad the way it ended uh, as with McComb really you know that um such a good servant to the club didn't get the chance to to spend a number of years there and you know really sort of build a legacy for himself at the club because he was you know such a fan's favorite I, I agree just so frustrating and you know as I said before I don't want to focus on any sort of negatives when it comes to such good, good positive memories but he, he still had so much to contribute to uh to the club both on and off the field I think so them's the breaks now this either means that we've <laughs> chosen the same number one or we've both gone for wildly different number ones well, yeah, I am absolutely delighted to confirm that my uh, my number one defender of uh, of the Nazis of the twenty first century, I beg your pardon. Yeah, we've uh, I agree, I've gone for James Dudgeon. Oh, I thought you were going to say James Ockley. Oh, well, that's even more of a fullback, wasn't he? So keep in, keep you know keep tuning in for that one. I've gone for Dave McGurk. I mean, there's no other option, is there, when it comes to uh, discussing your favourite centre halves of recent memory uh, for York City. I think out of all the defenders we've talked about, it's been some fantastic players we've we've um, reminisced about. But Dave is Dave's the only one, in my opinion, that you could call a, a legend of York City. He was with us for such a long time. He was so popular when he played for us. After he left us, he was popular. He had a testimonial with us. Every time the manager gets sacked at York, he's always linked with a vacancy, even if his form with uh, when he was at Hyde was a bit erratic. He is, yeah, a certified legend of York City. Where to start? Really, so many good memories, so many standouts. You know the uh, the tackle at Kenilworth Road is the one that uh, sprang to mind for me immediately when I was trying to think about Dave McGurk, how reliable he was in the air, on the ground, the odd goals now and again. Just so many happy, happy memories of watching Dave play for York City under so many different managers as well, so many different systems, so many different tactics under Foil Ball when they were you know defensive. Solidity was acquired, you know, it was usually back against the wall for 18 minutes, wasn't it? He was so good. Under Mills, when it was a bit more creative and free-flowing, he could contribute towards that. 
I think the only downside was, you know, as as wonderful it was in 2012, those two days, he, you know, he didn't play in the in the final day against um, Luton, but his contribution towards that um, success had come earlier in the season. He made that step up to League Two. Um, he was more than good enough to play in that division for a good couple of years, and he was gently and organically, you know, phased uh, phased out with players like McComb and Lowe uh, coming to the club. And it all felt very natural and organic, you know, when it, when he moved on. Yeah, I love him. Uh, I think he's great. Him being part of the club, part of the um, tapestry at Boom Crescent was uh, a very good safety blanket, wasn't it? So, yeah, I miss him terribly. Right, so Dave McGurk. Well, interestingly, for my number one choice, you see, I can't do a really unlikely selection now because you've already used that joke. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've gone for Dave McGurk as well. No great surprises here. Um, I mean, pretty much everyone who responded to us on Twitter mentioned him. I made a few sort of changes to my list as I went along. I was like, oh, should he be lower? There was someone, a bit of a wild card pick, who I sort of chickened out of in the end, which I'll reveal later on. But McGurk was always there at number one. That was never in question. He was just... Initially joined the club on loan in 04 05, which was a fairly terrible season, but he was, again, a bright spot in a poor season. You know, we could see at such a young age what kind of player he could become. And for him to then ultimately be with the club for almost another well another decade pretty much was um was amazing i mean he was just mr york city really wasn't he at that point he was he wasn't the biggest player in terms of center back he wasn't the quickest player but he just had such a good reading of the game i mentioned that with mcnulty but also with mcgurk i think that his his positional awareness was excellent i mean yeah that tackle at luton is is probably the high point but that sort of exemplifies it to be able to just time something like that to perfection really summed him up I guess we should maybe mention the fact that you put in a transfer request to go to Luton I think you have to discuss it don't you but the I think what counterbalances it is he's still revered when you talk to other York fans about him about defenders at York City it's you know it's very rarely brought up as like well he did request a transfer it's unfortunate it was a lot it was the uh, Lawless effect wasn't it you know trying to Hoax his mate into joining him at Luton. It was a it left a little sour taste in one's mouth at the time. I have to be honest, it was a little bit um, frustrating and, and very annoying. Our main one of our main defenders was doing was was acting in such a way, but you know um, it happens. He, he fought his way back into into everyone's good books. And what he was still he was at the club for another what three years. So I don't think too much harm was done. But yeah, I mean, obviously that transfer never happened. It's not like he. Um down tools or anything you know you never saw any sign in his performances I don't think of giving any less than 100% and yeah I don't think anyone holds that against him too much it's it's very much like that um, when Steven Gerrard was uh, wanting to leave to go to to Chelsea <laughs> yeah and then everyone just decided it'd be better if we just forgot about that because uh, again he was Mr Liverpool <laughs> wasn't he so exactly yeah Dave McGurk yeah what more can you say I mean another thing is that because we've got a few players in here who had sort of high points and they did well in teams who made playoffs and so on. But the thing about McGurk was he was good even when we were bad. Yes. If you think about, um, he got Club Man of the Year in 2007-08, which was quite a poor season. He was there again the following season, 08-09, where you know, we nearly went down. But never was McGurk's form one of the factors in that. That was one of the things that was keeping us from being worse, I think. So yeah, my number one is Dave McGurk. And number two is Dave McGurk. (laughs) (laughs) 
We all dream of a team of Dave McGurks. So before we get down to the final part, which is choosing our actual centre-back pairings, we did want to look at some honourable mentions. So again, Ben, did you want to go first? Do you have anyone in mind who sort of nearly made your list or who you wanted to mention but didn't quite make the top four? Yeah, so my honourable mention I got down was uh, McNulty, who you picked as your number four. Um, I was really happy to see him included in discussion uh, during this episode because of... Whilst he was only with us for a short time, I think um, he had a very decent impact. But otherwise, um, you know what? I feel a bit bad for making the joke about Dutchen now because at the time I really liked him. I don't think he was the best centre half in the world or anything deaf like that. But um, he was passionate. He was committed. You know, he he clearly gave a a toss about the club and about our uh, fortunes. Um, he's got some cracking diving headers. I can still remember one that almost sort of broke the net. Just the uh, the speed of his, his header in front of the longest. Um, yeah, it was quite fun of him as well. I guess the big one, the big uh, Welsh elephant in the room is uh, Daniel James Parslow, isn't it? We've, he's not actually come up in our discussions, really, has he? I mean, calling him an elephant is a bit offensive. I've heard him described as uh, <laughs> Bambi on ice. But um, no, I mean, we talked about Dave McGurk as a, as a great servant of the club. Obviously, Parslow falls under that umbrella as well. I think he made even more first-team appearances, didn't he? Can't really say anything negative about Parslow because he, you know he always turned up. There were managers came in, brought in their own players, and eventually they'd always be turning to Danny P. Whether it was to be the holding midfielder or to be the right back, or and he would always put a shift in. And you know he wasn't a bad player at all. He didn't make my list just because I don't think he was among the top four centre backs that yeah, played same. for City since two thousand. That's not to say you know I didn't rate him as a player or that I didn't. Um, have a lot of respect for him but yeah I don't think he was quite up there in terms of all-round ability with the other ones but yeah obviously yeah like I say great great servant of the club I'd agree with that he was I think at that turn of the decade from 09 and 10 he was something of a a bit of a lightning rod for criticism wasn't he I think people wanted to see McGurk next to Sangare in that centre of defence uh, and obviously yeah, Luke Graham came in. He's another, I'd have him down as another honourable mention. But yeah, I, I think, I don't know if he was the right person to be captain under foil, but you know, I'm not going to criticise that. It's, it's, it's very much come and gone. But he made he made the odd mistake and it was kind of uh, magnified by the fact that, you know, he's in a, such a vulnerable position on the field and also he's our captain. And I think people went overboard with the criticism that they had of him around that time. He was always a very sol- solid and reliable squad member. You mentioned a filling in at right back. I even think he came into his own in uh, in that bizarre holding midfield um, experiment that Mills did, and it actually worked. You know, we, we, he was in central midfield, wasn't he, against Luton? Again, uh, revisit episode one of Same Old City to, uh, <laughs> to hear a full deep dive into the playoff final win over Luton. I, 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 I never, he never struck me as a great passer of the ball. Um, he could tackle and he could head, but he never quite struck me as the. Uh, as some sort of um, revolutionary, you know, water carrying central defensive midfielder. He was very much a, a non-league defender who was uh, very reasonable at his job. I think his popularity stems from like, how much of a solid servant he was for the club, wasn't he? How long he was with us, how the, the, the different spells he had with us on loan, then signing permanently and signing again permanently again under Mills, uh, second time round. And then also the very, um, very sad manner in which he had to retire from the game due to concussion and, uh, uh, the work he's done since then for, for the Headway charity. 
So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's possibly a shame that they didn't make it into either of our top fours, but he's an interesting discussion point, uh, Danny P. So I'm, I'm glad that he got to make an appearance on his pod. Yeah, and um, I guess we can't fail to mention the uh, parody Twitter account where someone was pretending to be Danny Parslow for a while, I think. it was. Uh, do you remember that one? Yeah, so whoever was running that account was uh, clearly uh, trolling the club needlessly and uh, even now should be found and banned from the club for life. If, even if it is one person or perhaps two people. Yeah, in terms of my honourable mentions, I did have Paslo in there as well because uh, I did think we should uh, mention him. I had Smith in there as well, Chris Smith, who you've obviously included in your top four. Um, but the other one is someone who was my number four until I had a last-minute change of heart, and that is a certain Juman Sangare. Oh, excellent. Jimmy Sangare, as he was uh, as he was christened. You can't say too many players have left York City to play in a Champions League, can you? Now, admittedly, admittedly, it was the African Champions League, but that's semantics, isn't it? Yeah. Sangare, you know, he, he brought a lot of Gallic flair to the club. He brought he brought a touch of class. He was a very uh, elegant, sartorial dresser, I seem to remember. Yeah, he was sort of a bit of a mystery, I think, when he arrived at the club, even though he'd only been at Salisbury City, which isn't that mysterious a place. But even still, it wasn't someone we knew that much about. It was a tri- it was a trialist, wasn't he originally? I think in the summer of '09, Foyle and Porter had a bit of a look at him, and I, I bet they couldn't believe their luck what they found. You know, he'd go on these little mazy runs, bringing the ball out from defence, but also again his presence in the air. I mean, we talked about that header at Stevenage before, which I mistakenly remembered as being a winner. It was actually an equaliser, but it's another one where it's a late header in front of the Longhurst, about 100 miles an hour. You know, what more could you want? And he, he was just such a likeable character, really. And again, a player who didn't have that many appearances, 32 appearances for the club, three goals. But yeah, he's uh, he's one that all York City fans, I think, will remember with a smile when they hear Jimmy Sangari's name. I think so too, yeah. And uh, I just want to give a little shout out to listener, uh, Cy Hood, who asked us to do a three-part retrospective deep dive into Jimmy Sangare. Unfortunately, not being able to stretch out to three episodes. It's been just a little discussion on this on this episode, but um, I'm delighted that we managed to uh, get to chat about the the great man. Well, stay tuned. You know when we're uh, when we're struggling for content, three seasons <laughs> in, when we've uh, covered all the uh, big players and big games, that three part may well emerge. But yeah, ultimately, I just couldn't quite justify having him in my top four ahead of some of the other players who were there. But yeah, I guess we better uh, better actually pick our selections then and it's me to go first this time isn't it that's right just to re- just to uh, reconfirm I chose first when it came to the goalkeepers so that means for centre halves it's Simon's go first he'll pick his first choice centre half I will then pick my first two choices and then Simon will pick his second choice so I'm going to go for the guy we both put as number one which is Dave McGurk so he's going to slot in nicely in front of Alan Fettis in my defence that's a very good choice um had it been my first choice, I probably would have gone for TY as well. So I can't complain. I'm going to do something I'm really happy I'm able to do. I decided my centre-back partnership is going to be the memorable 13-14 run. I'm going to go for Boom Boom, John McComb and uh, Keith Lowe, Sweet Chariot. That's going to be my uh, centre-back partnership uh, for my draft 11. Just to confirm, John McComb and Keith Lowe. And yeah, so when we've got Two selections each. Whoever goes first picks one, and then whoever goes second gets to pick second and third. So that's why Ben is able to 
slot them both in. And yeah, I guess that leaves me to choose my second centre-back. So that only really leaves me with Steve McNulty. I mean, you are able to pick um, an honourable mention if you do wish. You don't have to stick to the to your fourth, to the, you know, to the fourth choice. Is that allowed under the format? In the format, you could pick whoever you wish. It, it, it's just because Steve, uh, Steve McNulty came fourth in your own choice. Doesn't mean you have to. You, you, you know, you, you restrict to only picking him and him only. You can go honourable mention if you wish, but if you want to pick McNulty, that's also equally fine. I do enjoy how we just work out the rules of this on air rather than. Uh... <laughs> Figuring it out beforehand, but um, I, th- I thought I thought it was clear. <laughs> well, didn't get the agenda, so uh, <laughs> um, no. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to have McNulty alongside McGurk. I think that's a partnership that would work. McNulty's got the the commanding presence to win the aerial battles, and Dave McGurk's going to um, going to be the classy player alongside him, who's kind of sweeping up and playing little passes off to the uh, to the side to get the attacks going again. I think that would work. Low and McComb. I'm not sure that's going to work that partnership i'll be honest (laughs) untested so let's look at the uh the teams we've got so far then i mean the interesting thing is your team is nick pope and goal and keith (laughs) clown and john mccombe in front of that you're basically picking the 13 14 team aren't you do you know the worst bit is when we come back to the draft we pick our fullbacks because the you know eeny meeny miny mo format that we've picked i get to pick the first fullback so <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna basically pick the entire thirteen fourteen squad. And I've got a very weird and wonderful selection of players who've never played alongside <laughs> each other. So we've got Alan Fettis and his centre back pairing in front of him is Dave McGurk and Steve McNulty. I love the contrast between our two sides. Our, mine's literally a playoff team in League Two, and yours is a mishmash of players who are completely different eras. This is fantastic. Ah, the magic of the draft. And I think you're hopefully going to mock up some uh, some starting eleven graphics to stick on the old oh, yeah. Yeah. social media, uh, Sky Sports style. So yeah, keep an eye out for those. It's shaping up to be an interesting paintballing match come the summer. Um, and the, the next one to pick will be the fullbacks, which we will move on to at some stage soon, possibly next month. No, that was very enjoyable. A lovely walk on Emily Lane. Some great memories brought back to the fore in our discussion. Uh, I think we've been very lucky. We've been graced with some very good defenders, some more cult classic kind of players like Sangare and Dudgeon. Um, we've had some absolute dross, which we won't go into today because I'm sure in the future we're going to be picking some Nightmare 11s, aren't we? It's it's written in the stars, isn't it? But uh, to go back down memory lane to discuss players like T.Y., Danny P., Smudge, a nice, warm, nostalgic safety blanket has just been thrown on me, and I will sleep well tonight. Yeah, as will I, as I'm just getting to the end of my beer as well. But yeah, we look forward to revisiting this Draft 11s of the century as the season progresses. I think we might choose managers as well after we've gone through all the positions. That's absolutely correct, yeah. I think the final thing we'll do is a uh, manager, and maybe kits, who knows? We'll, we'll have to have a think about that one, shall we? put some thought into that i'll get the old crayolas out but yeah thanks for listening to this retro rewind hope it's been an enjoyable trip down memory lane for you as it has been for us we'd love to hear your feedback on our on our defensive pairing so far uh, who would win in a scuffle in a subway in york city center out of these two pairs let us know in the comments yeah let us know what, what you agree with what we got wrong what factual inaccuracies we have uh, <laughs> <laughs> spoken 
So thanks, as always, for listening to Same Old City. And if you are a former York City centre-back who's been listening to this, hoping to hear your name, sorry, Stefan, you haven't made the cut this time. But otherwise, we will see you again soon. Mm-hmm.